1: Episode number 324. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and today I'm joined by special guest, Doc Sheldon, who is the founder and owner of Intrinsic Tr- SEO and publisher and co-owner of Search News Central.
2: How you doing, my friend?
3: Very good, Ross. Thanks for uh, inviting me.
2: How's it going? Glad to have you on the show, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, how
1: long have you been at SEO?
3: Oh, uh, working in, into my 11th year. Actually, I have had about three years of studying it before I actually started doing it, other than just for where I worked, and uh, started offering SEO to clients about uh, ten and a half years ago.
2: Nice. We had you on the show not too long ago with David Harry. That was a good show. Yeah. Happy to have you back again.
1: Yeah, definitely. So what were you doing before um, SEO? Uh,
3: I was a business management consultant for about uh, 20 years. Oh, wow. And I thought I was retiring, but unfortunately Wall Street retired about the same time I did, and the economy went to hell. So oh. I, I decided it was time to go back to work, but I was <laughs> tired of working on the road all the time, so I decided uh, to do something online.
2: So, yeah. so if you if you had to like compare the similarities between just plain old business consulting and SEO, which is just another form of business consulting, where do those two m- meet up?
3: Uh, well, obviously, marketing is is an aspect. Although most of my work was more in the operations aspect, uh, you know, in terms of offshore sourcing or how to manage work, you know, product flow within a plant, setting up uh, the layout of the plant and whatnot. But uh, there is a lot of overlap in terms of general philosophy. Where they they divorce themselves from each other is, and we were talking about this earlier in a, in a chat that uh, a brick-and-mortar operation has cost considerations that we don't have with online businesses. The rent, the utilities, the, the f- long-distance phone calls, all, all of the things, You know, even, even to a great degree salaries for the entrepreneurs, You know, the little uh, one-man shops, we don't have to worry about those. Mm-hmm. Whereas a very minor departure from convention can really screw up a business on a brick-and-mortar.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that, that because I've had conversations in the past with, with people about, you know, websites in particular. And if you're starting a business, it's almost today it, just as important, if not maybe a little more important, to have a good functioning website than even a business phone number, right? It's it, they're they're equal these days. You can't you can't start a business without a website, just like you couldn't start a business without a phone. Right. We see people try. Doesn't
3: oh, yeah. out too well. <laughs> <laughs> and surprisingly some of them are even uh you know some brick and mortars that are still in in business and relatively successful three or four years down the road without a website but uh, you wonder how successful might they have been had they gotten on board early you know
2: very true very
3: yeah true.
1: and i and i see different companies going under oh like for example toys r us uh, is that going down in the states too Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's it's baffling to me that they went down. It really is. Like, they must have really mismanaged it. And from an SEO perspective, uh, which we try to stick to on this, but – the hell were they doing wrong
2: (laughs) well the interesting thing to me for that is you know they filed for bankruptcy years ago and usually when you do that they they take time and restructure and they come out of bankruptcy they couldn't even within a couple years they had to do it figure out how to come out of bankruptcy even so that makes it even just odder to me that they all the stuff going on all the options that they have they couldn't figure out a way to stay afloat
3: you know that that happens though a a lot of times of business when they go through bankruptcy they think they think of it as a time buying exercise mm. they have a plan they know that it will work they're sure in their own heart that this will work if I just had more time and the funds to survive long enough so they get the funds they get the restructuring and they continue on the same plan that got them in the hole in the first place uh, and then the time runs out
2: <laughs> what did we do wrong we didn't change
3: exactly you know they just people, make sure they people resist change.
1: They're nice uh, retirement parachutes before they leave. Yeah, I would imagine that, that's part of it too. That too.
2: <laughs> so, so the one the reason I kind of asked if we could do this show and get Doc on the show is because I've been hearing a lot recently about GDPR, and I know people in our audience have been hearing about it, and I thought. The one person I know that's really been digging into this is Doc, and if there's anybody that could help educate our audience, and honestly, me, I want to learn more about this myself, um, Doc would be the one to do it. So I thought it'd be great to do it on the show. Um, yeah, and we'll
1: do our best to somehow, somehow tie it into SEO. But it is so important that it definitely warranted a show.
2: Yeah. Because you're hearing about it in the SEO circles, right? And that's kind of <laughs> so. It, 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 unfortunately, all I can't of talk that, about
1: everything I hear in the SEO circles <laughs> <laughs> on the show.
2: Especially that's, the
1: stuff out of Las Vegas, right?
3: That's true.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, so let's start with the basics, Doc. What is GT, GDPR? What's it stand for? What just basically what is it?
3: Okay, GDPR, it stands for the uh, General Data Protection Regulation, which was passed by the European Council on 14 April 2016. And, but they, they put in place a two-year moratorium uh, before enforcement would begin, and that expires on the 25th of this month. And uh, it's like so often, things that are not an immediate threat get ignored until the, the 11th hour, and, and I am, I'm am personally, I am guilty of that myself. You know, it's just been a couple of months ago that I even bothered to look into it.
2: And so, uh, so is this the 11th hour or are we still like at the 12th hour? Do we have a little bit of time?
3: We're, we're at about 11 hours and 50 minutes. I mean, we, <laughs>
2: okay.
3: we, we have literally 21 days, three weeks before enforcement will start. And there's, there's a couple of things to consider around that. Enforcement, first of all, on the one hand, they're probably going to be much more interested in going after the large well, companies.
2: Before we go into that, what exactly are they enforcing? What is, what, what is it?
3: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, basically, this is a, a uh, regulation designed to protect personal data of users. And particularly to set the standard that just because you come onto my site and give me your data, that does not mean that I now own that data. You will in perpetuity be the owner of that data. And, And it has a number of criteria to ensure that you only get data from users that they're made aware of, that they have the opportunity to either opt in, actively opt in or not in other words you can't you cannot default to to make it an opt out situation they must take an active measure to opt in to giving you data you must tell them precisely what that data is you must give them an opportunity upon request to see that data to get a copy of that data to correct that data if it needs it and to delete that data if they request it
2: oh that and sounds easy
3: Oh, yeah, it's a
2: piece of cake, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amazon
3: that, won't have any well, trouble whatsoever. Uh, handling
2: could, can, can you do something like put up a notice and say, we don't store any of this data, or do you have to now automatically store it to 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 abide by these requirements?
3: Well, certainly you don't have to automatically store it. Uh, but if, if you're hosted any place other than on your own server in your back room, you are almost assuredly gathering IP addresses. And while an IP address is not considered, in the United States and, and Canada, is not considered to be personally identifiable information by itself, uh, in the EU it is. And the, the interesting thing about, you know, the argument for that, I think, is very valid. Because if, if, you know, you guys aren't as old as I am, but back in World War II, the saying was... I wasn't there either, okay? I'm, this is my... From what I've read, I've heard <laughs> the saying was "loose lips sink ships," and the premise of that was that you know Jane might comment that her husband's ship is getting underway on Sunday. Mary uh, comments that her her husband's best friend, who happens to be Jane's husband, uh, rides the the John Paul Jones. Four or five wives make a comment. When somebody can gather all those comments together, they can find out precisely when that ship is sailing, from where to where. And what his purpose is. So from a security standpoint, and some of the, the feet-on-the-ground security during World War II was amazing. They had a lot of spies in the United States just sitting around coffee shops and, and working in, in uh, factories to pick up tidbits and dump these tidbits into a common pot so that they could put them together. Well, this is the premise with IP uh, being considered personal identifiable information, too. Gotcha. So... If you gather IP addresses at all, you need to to be concerned with it. Now, the good news is, if you do not have clients or if you don't have any visitors to your site that are either residents of or residents in, citizens or residents in the EU, you don't have to be worried about it at all.
1: Uh But you can't guarantee that, can you?
3: You, Exactly. Now. Where that gets sticky is if a UE, uh, an EU uh, citizen comes to Philadelphia to spend a week for a cousin's wedding and gets online and visits your site, the fact that they're on an IP address that is located in Philadelphia doesn't mean th- a thing. They are an EU citizen. Therefore, you are subject to GDPR.
2: See now, now, I've heard I've heard stories about there's websites that are actually blocking traffic from the EU so they don't have to deal with any of the legalities around this. But the, the point you bring up, well, doesn't that doesn't help them if somebody from the EU, EU travels to the US? They're still liable. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. Exactly. That, you I would wager it's much harder to be, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I wager it would be much harder to be caught though that way.
3: You would you would certainly screen out the vast majority. Mm-hmm people but but somebody can slip through. and the problem is that if the EU Council gets the uh, gets an indication that there may be a failure to comply on a site, they can request an audit and and uh, their <laughs> standards yeah, so then if you do not have a concrete method of protecting data or cannot prove that you do not collect at all and if you have a host, you probably do then you could be in in a violation
2: are, are there any hosts that are that are setting up to to allow people to not collect so if i'm a host and i say well if i just stop collecting that can be an advantage for me as a as a service provider for people who don't want to deal with the eu stuff so i could switch my website to a host that doesn't collect any data is that you know if right. that happening anywhere
3: I know of no hosts whatsoever that do not collect IP, and, and frankly, I think it would be impractical to, to even attempt it because there's so many things that they need IP for. So, But for instance, I use a host called SiteGround. Okay? Uh, I've been in discussions with them. They are complying to GDPR, or I should say, they will be in full compliance by the 25th of May. And basically, what it involves is that I, as the data collector have to inform my users that one of my data processors is Siteground they do collect IP addresses for the purposes of X Y and Z and I and Siteground have to be responsible for responding to a request to provide a copy of to to disclose to modify or to delete a particular user's data, data. and they they are complying by making that service available and I'm complying by making it available on my end and my sites don't happen to collect, we don't even place cookies you know, as a function of the website, anything it is right. done is done through my third party my host
2: and it doesn't matter at all if somebody's like doing e-commerce or collecting data via forms. If if I'm a media site, for example, and somebody views something on my site from the EU and I serve them cookies, that's all it takes. Is that correct? That's
3: all it takes. Uh, and, and, and that is not a, a showstopper. As long as you make them aware of the fact and you give them an opportunity to actively opt in to allow it, which is a critical, then you can place those cookies. You can even right. ask for their name, address, and phone number, as long as each individual piece of data is is disclosed and given specific content for.
2: And they, and, and so you have to build in technology to your website to, to do that that may not already exist, though, correct? I mean, it's not like people are already saying, hey, do you want me to send you cookies? You have to build that into your site to be compliant.
3: Uh as far as technology, amazingly, a lot of it is already available to most sites. They're just not aware of it because they've never had a need for it. But the, uh, the ability to determine precisely what you're collecting and identify it and log it is relatively easy for most websites. What gets more difficult is getting rid of it. So if mm-hmm. I were to contact you and say, I want you to get rid of or delete all my data. Now, it's not just a matter of, of going into your SQL, you know, your MySQL and saying, okay, get rid of this particular user and, and all of his data. You also have to be concerned with various backups, okay? Backups, which mm-hmm. will exist. you know, you'll have backups of your site, of course. Uh, your host will have backups of your site. Your host may have two or three backups. So some of them may be off-site on, on disk packs, for all you know
0: so you
3: know so so that gets more um, it's not more sophisticated it's just uh, logistically it's more difficult
1: so how how do you offer opt-in like as you said you have to opt let let them opt in when there's no opt-out option for ips and stuff i don't get that
3: uh what you do there is is you simply say for instance a splash on your landing page that that says uh we we uh Collect IP addresses for the purposes of X, Y, Z. If you wish to continue viewing our site, uh, please check the box, you know, which says I consent to collection of IP for the above statement. That sort of thing. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I know it, it's a pain in the butt, but, but I understand <laughs> the concept behind GDPR.
1: Which uh, check- sounds like it's going to break the net practically. I mean, uh, every website having a splash page that isn't really feasible.
3: I don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be a splash. It could. It could be a you know, as as much as a as a mask over your head it's something like an interstitial, okay? Right. Uh, it, you know, where it gets more tricky is if you have a community and you're actually letting people log in, okay? Now you're mm-hmm. collecting an email address and a username and an IP address, okay? Now it gets, you start putting those three together it's, and, and then use those to gather more parallel information across the internet. Pretty soon you can have a dossier. You can pretty well tell somebody where they live.
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking more along the lines of how difficult it's going to be for websites that utilize third-party services, like um, Shopify or payment processing services, things like that, that are collecting data but that they don't control, right? Because yeah. the third-party service is using it. How does? Did, I mean, how are the third-party those third-party services that collect the information reacting to this? And how do you know if Shopify is compliant or whoever you happen to use? Well,
3: you you have to ask. Okay. Now some sites, you know, some of the larger sites, like I site SiteGround contacted me and said, here's our plan, here's what we're doing, here's when it'll be in effect. And mm-hmm. and I reached back out to them with some specific questions. But uh, basically the way GDPR works, the the ICO, the council in, in the EU, has said that if there is a failure to to comply, the data collector, which would be the site owner, and the data processor, which would be the third-party processing, it may be MailChimp, it may be your host, whoever, uh, may be equally responsible for any damages, okay? Now, they have a maximum fine under you know uh, horrendous conditions. They can fine up to, uh, I believe it's 20 million euros or 4% of your annual revenue, whichever is greater, oh, geez, okay? Geez. okay? But <laughs> greater. Here's, the interesting, here's the interesting thing. Uh, let's say that they decide that the fine value should be a hundred thousand euros and they see that my host was negligent and I should have been aware should have monitored. So therefore I was negligent too. We could each be required to pay a hundred thousand, not split it. Wow.
1: So it's
3: it's an, and and not an or
1: (laughs) back to the question about the um, opting in. If, if, IP of, if, like, say they go to the site and they see that interstitial, that IP is still caught. It's still in the system. There's no way you can just remove it. So I don't understand that how that can really be controlled.
3: It It can be. Technologically speaking, it can be done at the at the server level, relatively yeah. easily. To simply, uh, you don't
1: write that IP address until this box has been submitted. Yeah. You so, know, is this something that's going to be available for every website? Because right now, uh, is that even possible for a WordPress site with a simple plugin, or is this all quite complicated?
3: No, this this would be a server level you know, th- yeah. th- that particular yeah. solution. Now, uh, I, I would like to say be very wary. There are a number of people out there that are offering courses, they're offering plugins, they're offering uh, packages of templates uh, to solve all your GDPR problems. I've reviewed a lot of them, and I've only found like one in 20 that was even worth looking at. Most
2: of them are are partial. I'm going to need you to send me the name of that company.
1: <laughs> I don't have it off the top of my head. No, I know. What, what what we need really is, because frankly it sounds like this is a lot of work to understand all this, is uh, have you created any kind of an article with um, the solutions you recommend, or is there anything you point to?
3: I started a series, or I think I've only done two of them, on Search News Central on it, okay. uh, and I and I will be uh, continuing that series. But I I'm not doing it as a... Tutorial: a step-by-step. You know, do this, do this, do this. I'm doing it as a, as an awareness and an understanding thing, because each site is is different in, in in terms of their vulnerability and the applicability of GDPR and to what extent it applies and to what solution might be appropriate for them. There's just no way to to put something on paper that says, okay, this is if you do these things, you're safe. It's just right. not a, a, okay. a feasible.
1: Let's take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk more GDPR and uh, hope uh, our listeners are getting a lot out of this. Thanks. SEO
0: 101 will be back right after recess. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security,
2: and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress,
0: powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site
2: on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. topseos.com the independent authority on search vendors
4: am days 2018 comes to las vegas may 16th and 17th register now at amdays.com make the most of your performance marketing with help from some of the most iconic brands including microsoft capital one uber backcountry and many more AM Days 2018 brings together a powerhouse of industry leaders and deal makers to network and share insights on the latest practices and cutting-edge updates in performance marketing and more. Make plans to be in Las Vegas for a landmark 10th event. AM Days 2018, Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Webmaster Radio listeners can save 20% on two-day and combo passes using promo code WMR20. Register now at amdays.com
3: webmasterradio.fm. Okay, class, the take your seats and no
0: talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to SEO 101 on Webmaster webmasterradio.fm, <coughs> hosted by John Carcut, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. We're joined by Doc Sheldon, who is the Sheldon, sorry, who is the founder and owner of Intrinsic SEO and publisher and co-owner of Search News Central. So, yeah, the, the tools. I mean, this just sounds like a train wreck. I mean, there's just no way a small business is going to oh, be on top of this. C- How c- the
2: can I hell? Can I ask a quick question, Doc? Is this just related to online data or does this include any kind of offline data? Like, I read something about uh, telephone calls and the fact that your cell phone numbers, your cell phones now store numbers that have called you and store sometimes where they think that call is from. Is it just your website or is there other technology involved as well?
3: No, it's not just websites. In fact, even a brick and mortar, a walk in customer, uh, everybody that has personal data has a, a right to have that data protected and under gdpr has those specifically enumerated rights for modification a copy of deletion whatever so even if you've got a, a hot dog stand on the corner you know you could be subject to gdpr if a an eu citizen walks up and orders a hot dog
2: and pays <laughs> with like a eu credit card
3: yeah wow the, that's going to be yeah. fun
2: for those hot dog vendors in New York City. I'm sure they're going to be all over this. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, I'd like, like to step back for just 15 seconds to a point I started to make earlier, though. When this enforcement begins on the 25th of May, uh, in, in all probability, their immediate targets are going to be big players, okay? Uh, they're not going to be looking for mom and pop.
2: Right.
3: How, they're going to want to set an example or three, okay? But eventually... They, there are two eventualities I believe firmly will come to play. Eventually they will make a play for some small players that were particularly egregious in their practices, simply to make the point and set an example so that they get everybody's attention. And then the other thing is eventually other countries are going to follow through. There's an awful lot of talk about people, particularly people in the U.S. saying, uh, "The heck with them, I don't care how they're going to enforce it. I'm in, I'm in Boise, Idaho. They can't enforce European standards on me.
2: That was well, going to no. be my question, yeah.
3: Well, but the problem is, for instance, the UK has already said we, you know, they're leaving with Brexit. They're going to be leaving here in about a year. We intend to to push through something highly similar, if not identical to GDPR in the United Kingdom. Canada has said that it looks like it's, it's a worthwhile enough idea to consider adopting similar regulations okay now, It might be a five year process uh, the us is un- undoubtedly going to be the slowest on the planet to get around to it but i do think they'll get there
2: so Pre- what what hap- what happens if they go after let's say they go after mcdonald's right cuz there's a cuz there's mcdonald's all over the world there's people from the u, u-, u are you going to come to the united states and go to mcdonald's and McDonald's says we're not doing this and they they take they go after mcdonald's it gets, ends up in court first question who's court europe's court or our court and you know they're mcdonald's an international company so they have much they have a bigger chance of influencing them in the the european courts but but if they sued in the u.s courts and it would i'm sure they would get appealed and go all the way up to the Uh, we go europe
1: it wouldn't be in the u.s
2: yeah it'd be in europe hmm
1: no Obviously, who
2: would want what to be a, in the what, American what, justice what system? Ab- Never. <laughs> what, ab- what about a company that's not outside of the U.S.? It's a, a, a wholly U.S. company. They have no locations. They don't do any business outside of the U.S. Um,
1: Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. They'll be but in they, Europe.
3: Yeah. yeah, if there was a court case, mm. it would be in Europe. However, uh, their true enforcement would would be presently extremely difficult. Uh, you know, basically, if if they if they came after me and I'm doing business strictly in the United States, well, they, yeah, they could block me. They can they can have they can force Google to take me out of the Serbs. They could actually get uh, hosts to block access to my IP address, okay?
2: In Europe uh, or worldwide? In Europe. Okay. In Europe,
3: okay? So it's not going to affect me because I don't do any business over there. I was just a little negligent in something, and I happen to have a, a guy come to my hot dog stand, right? So, but the problem is, is that uh, it's highly likely that these various entities like the, the Canadian, the UK, and the European councils will have some sort of reciprocity agreement eventually, Now, that may be two years or ten years. Who knows? But I think that the likelihood of some sort of reciprocity is high. So my point to my clients is, look, this is happening there. It's probably eventually going to happen other places that you do business and here at home. And it makes sense because it's doing the right thing. You're taking care of customers' data. Why not just go ahead and comply? Even if you're not after EU users today, if you comply and six months from now, Canada or the U.S. says, guess what? We've just adopted a carbon copy of the GDPR. You can laugh all the way to your bed because you're, you're already in
1: compliance. Now, uh, no, I, no, no, John, one sec, okay? I think we yeah, need to rewind ahead. this because we're going to, into depth, uh, what your questions are, I think are a little off like the SEO 101. I think what I'd like to know from the small business perspective you know, there's if there's no, I, I don't, I know I'm using the word simple, but I, I, it doesn't, it can be kind of a little more complicated than that. But I think is there no, exactly si- where I was going. Okay. Is there, if there's no, is there any, sim- if there's no simple way of implementing this for a small business, what options do they have? I mean, all the, all the consultants that are doing this, I would say most of them are going to be out there with, uh, well, there's going to be some greedy hands. Um, it's going to be very expensive. And, I warrant a lot of the technology, although you said it's been around for a while, I bet there's a lot of confusion around what works and what needs to be used and what doesn't need to be used. It sounds to me like the shysters are going to be on high alert. Uh, They're going to be all over this.
3: I'm afraid you may be right. I think that a good way to start for somebody who has no clue how to do it, what they have to do, uh, I would contact my hosting company, ask them if they are in compliance with GDPR, if they're not, find a new hosting company. Okay, when I say are, will they be by 25 May? Because they may still be in process. But ask them if they intend to comply with GDPR. And if they do not, find a host that does. Then ask them to share with you, how, you know, what? send me a package of, of how you justify saying you comply. Now... You get these things. You can look at these seven, eight, nine different things that they're doing to comply, and you can decide which of those might apply to you. For instance, unless you're doing uh, something like e-com or have a a plugin that specifically does it for you, uh, most themes and a standard out-of-the-box WordPress install do not set cookies. So you don't have to be worried about cookies unless you're specifically tasking cookie placement. Uh, It's you, know, you can put that one aside but if, you're, if you have signups logins, even a subscription form to a newsletter now you are collecting data so all you, have to, you can collect that data, that's fine all you have to do is make sure before you collect any data in fact you may even have to go retroactively back now and tell people that gave you this data a year ago, I need you to opt in if you want me to continue to hold this data
2: so so how does that tie to Google Analytics, right? Because we know Google Analytics uh, collects all kinds of data. I don't know how you would go in and opt out of your Google, somebody's Google Analytics.
3: Uh, one of the things that Google has just recently done is they, they've said they're going to be uh, setting up data retention limitations. It defaults at 26 months, and I'm not really sure where the 26 months came from in their minds. But unless you go in and cancel that, you know, totally remove it or set it to something else like 12 months or 30 months or whatever you want, then it will automatically set at 26 months. And at at which point that data will be totally erased from their system.
2: Well, one of, one of the options, though, has to be to allow someone to opt out and get to have you remove their data. Right. So let's oh, say
1: opt in I- period. Right.
3: It has to be opt in. They always have to take a positive action to opt in. Opt out or default or timeouts are
2: verbal. Okay. So I'm assuming Google Analytics data is part of the data that's considered we're collecting it about individuals. Right. So when they opt in, do you have to have a list of all the data you're collecting or the different services collecting? So let's say I have an e-commerce site and I'm selling, you know, fruit baskets from my garage and I have a little website. I've installed a, a, a small, simple e-commerce platform using some third party to do credit card payments. But I'm also doing analytics. When I go into opt in, does, does, do I have to tell the people, you know, I'm using this data and this data and this data? Or is it just a plane and I'm collecting data? I click here to, to agree
3: you have to give them the ability to opt in for each particular sort of data Good with yeah. each particular third party wow now now but here you can simplify that by simply saying okay we collect ip address name, username and your owner set password for the following four third parties okay for the purposes of, of allowing you access to the, to the back end or to the closed side of the site or whatever, and improving the, the uh, functionality of the site. That's all. So you've outlined the things you're going to collect. You've outlined the people that are going to use this. Oh, you also have to outline the, the purpose of the use, which you've basically covered. Right. Now, if you have something else that you're collecting a little bit more information for a more specific purpose, you list that separately again. But you have to give them a checkbox. So if that checkbox is to to buy into accepting these four types of data, that's fine. You don't have to have four checkboxes.
2: All right. So I th- I think we, cause I think we could talk about this for hours, but I want to at least kind of pivot this a little bit towards why is this coming up so much in the SEO circles? Where does SEO fit into this whole thing?
1: Well, before we jump into that, let's take that break and we'll jump right into that. We're we'll right oh, Advertisers, yay.
0: SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
4: The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly-ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May thirty first, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today.
0: Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more webmasterradio.fm
3: keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded we never stop do you?
0: okay class take your seats and no talking recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session only on webmasterradio.fm
1: Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing. League. We're joined today by Doc Sheldon, who is the owner and founder of Intrinsic SEO <coughs> and publisher and co-owner of Search News Central. So John was just trying to pull everything back into the SEO realm here. I mean, I think there's still a couple key questions we need to ask, but let's, jump, let's, let's uh,
2: let Doc answer
1: that question you want to recap it there John?
2: Yeah, 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 I can do that. So, so there's a lot of discussion about this in the SEO circles and I'm trying to figure out where the two connect. How is there any responsibility to SEO tied to this this new regulation and implementation around, you know, what people have to do to comply?
3: I I think that an SEO consultant needs to be aware of of GDPR and how how critical certain aspects of compliance are, because if, if particularly in the technical SEO realm, you may be doing things in the back end or in the C panel that, that could break something. Uh, you may be dealing with, with uh, backups. For instance, I, I may go into my client's site and say, you know what, I know that I'm doing that, I'm also gonna save a copy of their backup over here so that I have two of them, because the last time I needed to use a backup, it was corrupt. So I'm going to keep
2: two backups.
3: And I need to know that by doing that, I may be breaking the compliance of my client with GDPR.
2: So it's more about understanding technical implementation needed to comply and how that might impact your organic search from a technical standpoint more than anything. Is is that what you're saying?
3: I believe that's, that's fairly accurate. I think the people that probably need to be the most critically aware of GDPR requirements Are third-party processors Mm -hmm. I think that we as collectors need to be aware it's kind of like if you're hiring a contractor to to work on your house you know you you want to make sure that he has a license that he's a licensed contractor or that he's a specialty in that field Uh, so you have some responsibility buyer beware type thing but I think that the plumber himself is the one that has to be sure he knows the code and complies with it so yeah, there is joint responsibility there, but I think the most in-depth knowledge is going to be required at the hosting level, or I should say the third-party level in general. Guys mm-hmm. like MailChimp, uh, Salesforce, these guys are, you can bet they're scrambling too at scale.
1: Well, hopefully <laughs> they didn't leave it to the last minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please, please.
3: <laughs> I, you know, I talked to somebody inside Salesforce uh, who, he's not, he's not on the technical side of it, but he said that he had spoken to somebody on the technical side of it, and that they have been, pushing double shift on this thing since it was passed. Wow. Okay, so we're talking two years, and <laughs> they're heavily focused on it. But, I mean, look at the, the many different areas, you know, different ramifications for them at scale with, with so many thousands of, of users. Each one is different. So they have to have an awful lot built into it. So I don't think that that there's that much in-depth knowledge required for the average site owner. So okay. uh, there's enough awareness to know that they need a specialist, okay?
1: So you were mentioning SiteGround. I mean, I, I use uh, WordPress Engine and there's a number of different great uh, hosting companies out there. If you you go through that process you're mentioning, you know, ask them to justify their compliance after they've said they have it, see how it affects you. Um, up to a year ago, you know, you may have to connect with connections to confirm they've opted in. Well, from that point forward, you obviously need to make changes to your site. Uh, does like, for example, does SiteGround offer or recommend a technical package to interface with their system so that this works, that you can let people opt in? Uh, this is the, the it's the technical aspect that totally boggles me. Uh, if There has to be something that's in place already that's going to be reasonable to yeah. implement. Otherwise, this is going to be a massive uphill battle.
3: I don't think that, that SiteGround or any host is going to well, I shouldn't say that. A managed hosting company possibly would, yes. Uh, most hosting companies are not going to be able to offer an implementation package for your website. They're interested in delivering your website as as parked on their server, but they're not responsible for the content of your website. And I think that you know to expect them to, to take on that responsibility opens them up to life.
4: Hear that?
3: Liability that they might not be willing to take on.
1: Yeah, and I didn't mean that they they would offer it sort of, they still have to enable that connection you were telling me about where you can stop uh, or allow the opt-in process because IP address information, um, log files, all that stuff is created automatically. You need some way to interface with them to have that not happen until people have opted in.
3: I have not yet seen anybody offering some sort of an interfacing package but I it certainly seems feasible. I, I I would be surprised, for instance, if my host does not offer uh, some aspect of of expanded service to include making sure that you know you you hit these tick boxes and we'll tell you what we can do to help you make sure that you can comply with GDPR in regard to those.
1: Okay, services. but you said you said that there's sorry, John, but this is, I just want to clear this up. So you said uh-huh. there was already some, systems in place that have been around a while so what systems are those then i thought that was well, what integrated with the server
3: no not systems more more technology for instance the ability that uh, somebody can arrive on the site and their their ip address is not yet logged okay, okay. So not yet not written to disk until they check this box and hit submit then it is released to be written to disk then it goes into the database Okay. okay,
1: so that's not server related, that's just something you can have in your own site, you can control that. No,
3: no, that that would be server related because mm-hmm. their their call for that website is coming to the server before it ever gets to to, to your monitor.
1: Yeah, you know, so isn't that require that connection I was just talking about to the server? That from them?
3: The connection, <laughs> yeah, but not but not recording their IP address.
2: So l- let me throw together a hypothetical here real quick. Go, let's go back to our uh, fruit basket sellers that are selling fruit baskets out of their garage, right? They've got a website they've been running for a couple years. They want to comply. They've got go- – they're, they're, they're hosted on GoDaddy. They're using um, – WooCommerce with PayPal to to collect uh, payments, and they have Google Analytics. Let's just look at those three things. How, with your with your knowledge, Doc, how could they take this website that they've had for a couple years with just with those three different third parties? How would they make their site compliant? Just in general, I know it's it's complicated, but that's just a general, just to give us a kind of an idea what they'd have to go through.
3: Okay, first of all, I, I would simply say they need to document. To put in front of their their users early on, when they arrive, that here are the here is the data that we collect in terms of IP address, uh, you know maybe zip code if if you're delivering that sort of thing. Uh, I, you know, just tell them what you're collecting, the purpose for which you're collecting it, the third-party services, WooCommerce, PayPal, uh, your host, uh, Google Analytics, that for which is being collected, and give them an opportunity to opt in to allow that. At the point that they opt in, now your server, your host, can actually say, "Okay, I've got this IP address here in my hot little hand. I can actually write it to disk. I'll put it into the database." As the IP address that logged in at this this particular time, and accepted because that's the other thing you have to record what you you know that you've got. If if that person is an EU citizen and they ever complain to the ICO and they come back and they want to audit you, you've got to be able to show that they did opt in. So your logs are going to show that. The host at, on their server level can relatively easily, with existing technology, write a, a script that will now record the date-time group of, of when that opt-in was recorded from such-and-such such IP address.
2: So uh, I'm the business owner. I don't know how to do this stuff myself. I had some guy build my website for me, and they recommended a host, GoDaddy in this case, right? So who do I contact? Do I contact GoDaddy? Do I contact the web designer? Who am I? Who's my primary point of contact to help me solve this problem?
3: Uh, being... Without the knowledge to do it myself, I would probably contact my host and simply say that I'm I'm concerned about making sure I'm in full compliance with GDPR. Uh, I need to collect this sort of information. Uh, what can you do to ensure, as a third-party processor, what can you do to ensure that a you will be in compliance with GDPR, and what can you do to, b to help me comply? So that this information can be uh, properly stored, you know, securely stored is a major aspect, mm-hmm. too. Right. Uh, and uh, can be accessed, can be copied, can be modified, can be deleted. I would ask the host. Okay. You can bet. If they're a host, GoDaddy, you can bet they're intimately familiar with what GDPR is. Now, what their right. philosophy is on compliance, I don't know. Right. But uh, I bet that they are they are complying because... They've got an awful lot of users out there that do have EU users. <coughs> Excuse me.
2: <It's>, uh, <laughs> this is a fascinating muddle. conversation.
1: <laughs> I think
3: I think that they can help you. I think that the host is the best starting point. Uh, unless you have an SEO consultant that you trust and you know is already knowledgeable in this, or unless you have... It, some web developers are already uh, considering GDPR compliance when they build new sites,
2: but and I guess I'd,
1: that. The, sorry, go, go on. Ahead. I was just saying what, what, if it's you know you mentioned SEO, but would it hmm, if you if you have a, a webmaster slash web design firm, um, people who do the creative, all that sort of stuff, they pretty much manage your site. Would it be more beholden to them to be the company that handles GDPR, and the SEO is kind of a tertiary part of? The, the the website, really, if it's important, but it's still part of a uh, 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 secondary. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, because there's <laughs> hosting companies, uh, or sorry, web design companies, and uh, are more involved with the technology um, sure. when they're designing and stuff. I wonder if they have more responsibility to this. I mean, not no. that I don't want to learn this, but I would think that it's important.
3: No, they they may have... Uh, more ability to, to grasp it and work it out, but you can't abdicate your responsibility. They have, the, the, the user, I should say the owner of the domain has the ultimate responsibility. And oh you no, can't I, abdicate that.
1: No, I totally don't. I, I, I agree. I just mean in terms of um, that owner uh, contacting someone, should they maybe, should we suggest to the listeners that they contact their hosting company, or not their hosting, their web company, their webmaster, Versus their SEO first.
3: Uh, uh, I would not know simply because okay. of the point you made earlier that we've seen an awful lot of discussion around GDPR in in the SEO circles, and and I I deal with some some developer circles as well, and I haven't seen that much of it there. Huh. Uh, so I don't. <laughs> this may be a finger pointing exercise, you know, where the devs <laughs> may be saying the SEO should know this stuff, and the SEO is saying the devs should know this stuff. Uh, GDPR doesn't point fingers but in one direction so uh, I think personally I think your SEO consultant is a good place to start Yeah. if it's somebody that, that you have confidence in and, and some time you know some experience with I would probably ask them uh, your host is another good place in fact if you're if you've got a, an SEO consultant you don't work that closely with you've only been working with it for a few months you're just not that sure if he's the right person go to the hosting company too. Go go Good. to
2: both. Uh, I honestly see this kind of as as a collaborative effort between the host, the designers, and the SEO. They're all going to have to work together to get this done, just like we do on a lot of development. Oh, projects. Now you're asking for the impossible. No, we do this. With, <laughs> no, we do this all the time. This this is pretty it's, standard. We do this all the time. It's
3: more challenging, but it's not impossible. <laughs> yeah.
2: it just because depends. It's so on, positive. It <laughs> just depends on who takes the lead, really. But they, but they all three kind of are going to have to work together. Honestly, I uh, uh. hope. Well, we got 21 days to figure it out. <laughs>
3: <That's great. laughs> no, we That'd take be... two weeks off before we start, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I've got more reading to do, damn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this at all. Uh, I just think it's crazy. I mean, I, I agree that it's a wonderful thing to do. I think uh, from a person's perspective, having this right not to be tracked is fantastic. I just, I'm very skeptical about this whole ability to make it happen um, for so many businesses. Many businesses don't even have updated websites from 97, never mind this. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. This is going to be a nightmare. But I'm glad, like you said, they're not likely the ones to be targeted right away. Well,
2: well, look at it this way. At least it's finally someone other than Google making us change our websites.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's
3: another thing to consider, too. I mean, if you have a, a service business, you know, if you're selling a hard product or a service to specifically to EU customers, it's different. But if you just have a, a general informational site and you might have some EU citizens contact your site, all you really have to do is comply with the opt-in, okay?
2: And that opt-in only has to show up if, you, if you're if you – does it have to show for everybody or can it just show up for, for – For an UE? IP address, you pretty yeah. much
3: need to show it for everybody. But, you mm. but but, again, now, you know, we, we all know it's easy enough to set up a site so it only hits you the first time. Once you've right. opted in, you'll never see that again.
2: Right. It'd be interesting oh. to see if browsers ha- get into this at all to make it so you can have a browser setting say, anytime this kind of stuff shows up, to automatically do it so I don't have to see it.
3: I, I think it's inevitable that you know, guys like Firefox and Chrome, they're, they're going to have to be concerned with compliance, but it doesn't affect us. As as site owners, what browser you're using when you visit my site is not on me, okay? But, yeah, you can bet that the browsers, because they're collecting data, I mean, good God, do you think Chrome's not tracking every time you swallow?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so one pretty important question here is, when someone opts in, is that opt-in into perpetuity, or when does it expire? Uh,
3: To the best of mind, I have seen no reference whatsoever to an expiration uh, huh. It is subject to cancellation upon request at the top of a hat, but I have not seen anything that leads me to believe that it expires. Now, if something changes in what you're collecting or how you're using it, then you have the responsibility of the site owner to seek a new opt-in. But if nothing <laughs> changes, if you're still collecting just the IP address and, and, uh, and you're not doing anything different with it, then... Uh, I've but, seen no evidence that it's going to compile.
1: But when someone's using mobile and they get to a site, they're going to be on a new IP every time, just about. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. So they're going to have to approve every time. Is that leaving, and it leaves, that's never mind the fact that some people don't have cookies enabled. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they're always going to be asked, I guess. Yep. Wow. wow.
3: That, that would be my,
1: my take on it as well. Wow. Well, this is uh, this has gone long, but it's so good. It's so
2: interesting. So glad you yeah, came on. Yeah, I talk. think I think we could do a whole other show. Maybe we do another show on this same topic in 21 days.
3: I think we could <laughs> do. I think we could do a half a dozen shows and not and not run out of topics.
1: I believe. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to know a lot more about this the next time, and I think it would be a good idea to do this again, maybe in a month. Um, if you game, Doc.
3: I'm, I'm certainly game. By the way, I've got a whole page full of links that I've gathered. I'd be happy to share with you guys. If I don't know if you, if you put oh, yeah, that up. We'll
2: put that on our community for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it over
3: to you, John.
1: Thank you. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, our guest, Doc Shelton, and John Carcut, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thank you for joining us today. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope we didn't blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs>